0: Look, of Joel, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth If he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning is a perfect example of when I'm planning to do one thing and uh, at the last second we end up doing something completely different. Uh, So usually on Monday mornings my plan is to do our wisdom and encouragement from the Psalms from the Proverbs Um, but instead we're going to read the first two chapters from the prophet Joel and uh, I don't want to spend time explaining how I end up there. Just know that uh, I was just looking at a couple of verses to include, and now we're in. Now this is what we're doing for this morning, and so maybe, uh, maybe God has a word for us. Let me give you a little background, of uh, the setting of what's taking place in the book of Joel. So. Uh, Basically, we have a military incursion, which is happening in Israel. And uh, let me just read out of the study Bible here. And it says, an extended drought and a massive invasion of locusts had stripped every green thing from the land and brought severe economic devastation, leaving the southern kingdom weak. This physical disaster gives Joel the illustration for God's judgment. As the locusts were a judgment on sin, God's future judgment during the day of the Lord will far exceed them. In that day, God will judge his enemies and bless the faithful. No mention is made of specific sins, nor is Judah rebuked for idolatry. Yet possibly, due to a calloused indifference, the prophet calls them to a bona fide repentance, admonishing them to rend your heart and not your garments. So, as this commentary states, there's no like specific sin mentioned for why the day of the Lord has come upon Israel, why this this severe judgment is coming. Uh, But this, but this commentary points out that it might be just due to simple indifference. And man, that to me seems to be a good description of the church today. It's lukewarm. It's really just indifferent. It's not trying to further the kingdom of God, it's just trying to get along, and it's just indifferent. It's become just like the rest of the world. It's very hard at times, at least here in the United States, to distinguish Christians from non-Christians. Because behaviors aren't much different, attitudes aren't much different in many cases. Um, There's just an indifference about sin and about you know, the the direction that the world is headed. Here's another uh, little bit out of this, and then we'll start reading. I just want to set some understanding, uh, because text without context is a pretext to make the text mean whatever you want, so we need to get a little background here. The theme of Joel is the day of the Lord permeates all parts of Joel's message, making it the most sustained treatment in the entire Old Testament. The phrase is employed 19 times by eight different Old Testament authors. The phrase does not have reference to a chronological time period, but to a general period of wrath and judgment, unequally belonging to the Lord. It is exclusively the day which unveils his character, mighty, powerful, powerful, holy thus terrifying his enemies the day of the Lord does not always refer to an eschatological event that's important to note because people make the mistake of reading the Old Testament every time they see the day of the Lord they immediately make it about themselves insert themselves into the text and make it about their time that is not the case there was many days of the Lord where judgment came That's important to note On occasion, it has a historical fulfillment, as seen in Ezekiel 13.5, where it speaks of the Babylonian conquest and the destruction of Jerusalem. As is common in prophecy, the near fulfillment is a historical event upon which to comprehend the more distant eschatological fulfillment. Uh, So this commentary uh, kind of has the mindset that I carry, which is a lot of times prophecy had a right then fulfillment or really near fulfillment and occasionally not always there was some type of future fulfillment as well the day of the lord is frequently associated with a seismic disturbance violent weather clouds thick darkness cosmic upheaval and as a great and very awesome day that would come as destruction from the almighty so I'm just going to stop there from that. That should give you a pretty good background of what we're dealing with. Uh, so there's this judgment that's happening. It's the day of the Lord, but there's some important things that God is asking to his people where they could kind of turn the tide if they would just do what, he's, what he asks them to do. And so I think this is a message for the, the people of God today, worldwide. If you want the chaos to stop, the madness to stop, if you want the enemy to fall into its own traps, into its own snares, and to stop, if you're tired of every moment of being, there being a new crisis and a new thing, then God's people are going to have to humble themselves with weeping and with fasting. And they're gonna have to turn their hearts all with their whole heart back to God. Otherwise, he's just gonna keep letting the stress build up. The Bible says that judgment starts in the house in, in the house of God, right? And if it starts with us, what what is it for them that believe not the truth? Paraphrasing, obviously. I've quoted Hebrews a lot this past couple of months. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to start with Joel. Hebrews 12, 29 through 29, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of the things which can be shaken as I've created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For God is an all-consuming fire. The writer of Hebrews is saying there's a shaking happening so that the things that are that can be shaken will be shaken. And then the things that cannot be shaken, the kingdom of God, will remain. I believe that's what we're seeing happening in our generation right now. There's a great shaking, shakening. These institutions, these ungodly things that, that's ruling over the earth, it's getting shaken and it's coming down like a house of cards, like dominoes. The problem is, is that that's painful for everyone, right? It's painful for everyone, but it's the necessary thing. Let me get to Joel. Let's start. I'm going to read from the King James Bible. We're going to read Joel 1 and 2 this morning. Let's begin. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethiel Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it. And let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the, the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and how all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, and barked my fig tree, and hath made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for her husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languishes. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, O ye vineyard dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourself and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Please note, right now Joel is speaking, God is speaking through Joel. And what's being said right now is for the priest and the minister's. So all the ministers, it's time for you to gird yourselves, lament, and howl, and call an assembly and gather all the people of God into the house of God for basically lamenting and crying out to him. That's what God is asking for the uh, leaders, the congregational leaders, the religious leaders. That's what he's asking them to do, how he's asking them to respond. There's a responsibility on those people. You need to call an assembly. You need to lead them in this fasting, in this mourning, in this lamenting, in this uh, crying out. 15, verse 15, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Is not the meat cut off before your eyes? Yea, joy, gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under the cods, the garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, for the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan, and the herds of cattle are perplexed, because they have no pasture, yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Chapter 2 Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, and it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness, and of gloominess, a day of clouds, of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people, and strong there hath not ever been like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth the land as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is the appearance of horses and horsemen, so they shall run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame, a fire that devoureth the stubble, as strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, all the faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men, they shall climb the wall like men of war, and they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust one another, they shall walk every one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro into the city, and they shall run upon the wall, they shall climb up the horde the house upon the houses, they shall enter in the window like a thief. The earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble, and the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide in it? Therefore, also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, For he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. That's important to note. He's saying, this is what's coming upon you. If you'll rend your heart instead of your garment... Like don't do this don't do this outward thing. You need to be broken hearted inside in a more authentic way. Don't just rip your garments, rend your heart. Turn to the Lord. Why? Because he's because his attitude, what he wants to do, he is gracious, he is merciful, he's slow to anger, he's great in kindness, and he repenteth of the evil. Who knows if he will return? If he'll repent? In other words, if he'll turn away from this judgment that he's getting ready to pour out, and instead leave behind a blessing? You see that? I think that's God's desire. He wants to not have to do the judgment, and he'd be willing to turn from it if the people would just humble themselves. If they would get on their face and actually weep and cry out to him. Verse 15, blow the trump, trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a, a solemn assembly. Again, he's, he's telling the religious leaders, call an assembly. You have to do this as a group, as the people of God. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck on the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, give not thy heritage to the reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Please note, God is literally giving them the prescription. You want this to not happen? Do this thing. Rend your hearts. Cry out to me with weeping. Call an assembly. Gather all the people and cry out. And here's what I want you to ask for. Let the priest... And the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them; wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? That's what that's the response that God wants. It's so simple. He wants to have mercy. He wants to leave a blessing behind instead of judgment. But his people have to repent. They have to have some humility. They have to get on their face. The leaders of the people of God need to act like leaders and lead the people in repentance and acknowledge their offenses before God. About 15 more verses here and we'll be done. Verse 18, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Please note, God's saying you do all this stuff. You rend your hearts. You turn back to me. If your leaders will lead you in repentance and cry out. Verse 18, then will the Lord be jealous for his land. And pity people. Verse 19. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a repro- reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army, and I will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea, and hinder his part towards the uttermost sea, and his stink shall come up, and his ill Savior shall come up, because he hath done great things. Fear not, O Lamb, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do these great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pasture of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine, and to do yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month, and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar, and the pale worm and the great army which I set among you, and you shall eat in plenty, And be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions." And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Please note, this is an example of a now prophecy and one that had a future fulfillment. Right? We just read this out of the book of Acts, right? And Peter was saying, this is what's being fulfilled right now in your very eyes with the pouring of, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But in Joel's time. It was a promise from God to them if they would just repent. That he'd pour out blessing again. And not just blessing, but he would prosper the land again. He would prosper the people again. And he would pour himself out upon the people again. Right now we're all walking around like dry bones. It's because we've chosen the world over God. And we wonder why the power of God is not great within us. And why we don't feel like the Lord's near us. This is why because of our sin verse 30 and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth and blood and fire and pillars of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness the moon into blood before the great and terrible day the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall deliverance as the Lord hath said and the remnant whom the Lord shall call and that's where we're going to stop for this morning I pray that you've been blessed in the powerful name of Jesus. We got to get, we got to get serious about our relationship with God. Otherwise the chaos, the judgments, it's just going to continue. You want all this madness to end? Get on your face. People of God got to get serious about their relationship with God. As we saw in the book of Joel, his posture, his attitude, his desire is to turn away from the wrath and to pour out blessing instead and to judge the heathen instead. God's people need to stop acting like the heathen, need to start caring about righteousness and holiness again, need to care about um, repentance again. Need to have a little humility again. Need to be set apart from the world, which is what the church is called to do. See, the church right now is just trying to be like the world. Well, we want to be inclusive. You're not called to be like the world or to make the world happy. You're called to be set apart to be a light on a hill, to be salt to the earth. You're supposed to be extraordinarily different obviously different but yeah that comes with persecution sometimes all not some all who want to live godly shall face persecution we live in troublesome times, and yet where's the urgency from the church and I'm sure this is happening in places okay I understand that I know there is some congregations that are on their face and they're having prayer vigils, but we need to see a worldwide movement of awakening and of repentance and of returning to the Lord in righteousness and holiness. And the name of Jesus needs to be lifted up and exalted. That's where my message ends this morning. Thank you for listening. I hope your hearts have been pierced. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.